Well, we're in the middle of a, a study on Proverbs, and I encourage you to take out your Bible, if you would, and turn this morning to Proverbs chapter 11. Just as we begin, I thought it might be good just to grab a couple of, I should have been doing this every week, just a couple of random, vivid Proverbs that we won't particularly study uh, at any particular time, but just ones that whet your appetite to hopefully go in and, and read through the book. Again, one of the things I encourage, especially young people, but any of us, if you're looking for some good devotional material, I recommend taking the book of Proverbs and read through a chapter of Proverbs a day. 31 chapters, no month that I know of has more than 31 days. And I guarantee you every day you'll find something in one of those Proverbs in, in a chapter that we will need through the day, a bit of wisdom. Well, here's one, uh, Proverbs 27:14. This to me, by the way, most of the Proverbs are written for all of you day people, you morning people, those of us night people, we feel kind of left out. We feel like we're kind of likened to the sluggard half the time. and So we try not to do that. But this verse, whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning will be counted as a cursing. So all you morning people who like to get up early and be really loud and you, you just understand that even to those of us who aren't morning people and those of you who, others who are, it's kind of just cursing. I, I just, so be, be sensitive early in the morning. Here's another one. I love this one too. Very vivid. Whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. Just try taking a random dog, grab it by the ears, and see what happens. It usually doesn't go well. Same thing if you meddle in a quarrel that's not your own. Well, a couple of random proverbs. I encourage you, go read through the book. I was in my bank this past week. And as I was there in the lobby getting my stuff together, I look over and there's a sign there on, uh, on the, whatever you call it, counter, at the bank, and it said this. It said, 2018 World's Most Ethical Companies. We've been named one of the world's most ethical companies four years in a row. My first thought was, awesome. That's good news because I've got a good bit of money here in this bank. And my second thought was, wait a minute. What about five years ago? When apparently they weren't on the list. <laughs> And, I, and I've had money here for 30 years. It began to worry me. Frankly, I've always assumed that my bank and my banks were ethical. It kind of bothered me that suddenly now they felt the need to let me know that they were. <laughs> and so who made up this list anyway? And now I want to see the scorecard. Because after all, did the bank just barely make the list with a score of 67, you know? <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't even want to have my bank, my money in a bank that scored a 95. Because what if that 5%, you know, unethical behavior had to do with your money, my money? <laughs> I just wonder why do banks feel they have to try to convince you that they are trustworthy. And the answer to that is watch the news. I mean, I don't know, hardly a day goes by where it's not a company or an executive or a, a politician, a 
businessman, a celebrity, an athlete, and sadly sometimes even a church or a pastor that shows up on the news embroiled in some scandal. Is that not pretty much a daily part of the news? We think, man, what is this world coming to? Except if you've looked at history at all, you realize this isn't new news. Integrity has often been in short supply in a fallen world. And so as we come to Proverbs today, the subject is, the focus is integrity. Integrity may be rare, but it's very valuable. Proverbs 28.6 says, Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. It's better to be poor with integrity than to be rich and crooked. Proverbs informs us that a key component of living wisely, and we know the whole theme of Proverbs is living wisely, living skillfully, but we're going to see this morning a key component in that is for us to live as people of integrity. Again, hopefully you've got Proverbs open Proverbs chapter 11. Let me just read the the first three verses here of Proverbs 11 and follow along as I read. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Three verses that actually are, are in a larger section that's dealing with this, this theme, this topic of integrity. By the way, I'm sure most of you know that, that the chapter and verse markings in our Bibles are not part of the original. As Solomon wrote, wrote Proverbs here, he didn't use chapter and verse markings like we have here. Those were added many centuries later by translators. And so often you just need to ignore those chapter breaks. And uh, Solomon here begins this theme in chapter 10 with verse 27. He continues down at least through verse 11. And actually there's a few a little later in this chapter. Dealing with the subject of integrity. But we're going to focus mostly around these first three verses of chapter 11. What is integrity? Verse 3, it uses that word, integrity. What, what is it exactly? In Hebrew, the word integrity that's translated here, integrity, means simple, complete, whole, the, the same throughout. It's simple. There's no, in, those, no in ulterior motives. There's no hidden meanings. There's no cover-ups. It's whole, complete, innocent. It's helpful if we want to get what, what's intended here in, in the word integrity to look all through this section going back into chapter 10 and on here through chapter 11, looking at words that are associated here with integrity. We might call them synonyms or words that, that uh, parallel that word. And we find words like this used a lot. Righteous, blameless, just, humble, upright. What does integrity mean? It's all of those. Well, actually, it's all of those put together. Talk about that more in a bit. 
What is integrity? It helps as well to look at some of the words that are used as contrast. Many times the proverb uses one thing and then the next line, it's, it's arranged as couplets, two lines put together, and the second line is often a contrast. And words that are contrasted with integrity in this whole larger passage, we'll see words like the wicked, the evildoer, the perverse, the false, the proud, the crooked, the treacherous, the godless. So what is integrity? It's simple. It's whole. There's no hidden flaws. Integrity is being righteous, being blameless, being just, being humble, being upright. It's not being wicked, being an evildoer, being perverse, being false, proud, crooked, those things. The key component of integrity is it involves all of those things, or in the case of the negatives, none of those things. And the key component of integrity is this. It's all those things consistently. See, many of those other things can be done one at a time. You can be blameless for a few minutes. (laughs) I was blameless in this. I was just. I did the right thing in this. I was humble today. Integrity is doing all of those things consistently. That's what sets integrity apart and why it's kind of an umbrella for all of these other things. That's what integrity is. Why is integrity important? The text gives us four reasons. Verse 1, there are 11. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. First reason is that integrity matters to God. Integrity matters to God And God hates dishonesty. It says there in verse 1, we read it, the Lord abhors dishonest scales. You can find, if you read through the entire book of Proverbs, you can find things similar to that several times, at least four times in the book. Proverbs 20.10 says, unequal weights and unequal measures are alike an abomination to the Lord. Now, we don't get that very much today because When we go to the store, everything is prepackaged. It's all in boxes. It's all in bags, hermetically sealed uh, at the at the factory, and everything is plainly labeled. And you can count if you buy a a pound of something. It's typically a pound of something. In that day and time, things were different. When you go to the market, and still today, many of you, if you've traveled out of this country, you've gone to markets, and things are just sitting there in bulk. And when you go to buy something, they measure out for you, you know, a pound of this or whatever. And the way that that was done typically in the marketplace is you would have a scale here. And on the scale, they would put on one side a weight. And so if you wanted a pound of something in that day, they'd put a stone there and that stone is marked a pound. And on the other side, they'd start putting on the product until the, the scale balanced and now you've got a pound of your product and you take it with you. However, he says, what happens is the, the fellow who's the crook, the fellow who doesn't have integrity, he actually has, when he reaches into his bag for the weight marked a pound, and you're going to buy something, he, puts, he pulls out a weight that's marked a pound, but it's only 15 ounces. 16 ounces makes a pound. 
And He puts it on there. And He puts your stuff on. And you only got 15 ounces of stuff. He just made a little profit. Now, when you come to sell Him stuff, because He's a store and He he, he gets His inventory from, again, the, the farmer, the guy that comes in and sells stuff. And so you come in to sell your product. Now He pulls out of His bag a weight marked a pound, but it's 17 ounces. So He makes money coming and going. And God says, I hate that. I detest that. When you're out to take advantage of people for your profit, when you deceive people for your profit, I hate that. When you cheat and steal and swindle and deceive others to enrich yourself, God hates that. On the other hand, God says, accurate weights are His delight. The second half of verse 1. He not only abhors dishonesty, integrity, he says, honesty pleases God. Solomon's father wrote something similar, said something similar. First Chronicles 29, he says, I know, my God, that you test the heart and you are pleased with integrity. Why is integrity important? main reason integrity is important is right here. See, we, we talked a, a while back about why is wisdom a big deal. We've, we've been noting as we've, we've been going through this study, why is wisdom a big deal? And we've been saying it's more than just having a better life. But the greatest reason why wisdom is significant is because wisdom has to do with knowing God. As we read in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Then, when, when you have wisdom, you will understand the fear of the Lord and the key thing, find the knowledge of God. The reason that wisdom is such a big deal is not just because we have a better life, but it's a big deal because it's with wisdom that we have a, an intimate relationship with God. And in a relationship, one of the key things, if you've probably noticed this in a relationship, if you're, you're married or, or uh, dating or interested in somebody, you know, you're wanting to build a relationship, one of the key things you learn if you want to build a relationship and want it to grow is you need to learn to please the other person. You want to know what it is that they dislike and what it is they like so that you can please them, right? Brothers and sisters, if we want to enter into an intimate relationship with God, part of the key of that is living in a way that pleases Him. So it helps us to know what is it that pleases God. And we have just seen here that integrity pleases God. Proverbs says it similarly, says this very thing in Proverbs 3.32. says, God is intimate with the upright. For the crooked man is an abomination to the Lord, but he, God, is intimate with the upright. Do you want to have an intimate relationship with God? A close, if we want to have a close relationship with Him, then we need to be people who value and embrace and pursue integrity. Now, by the way, 
I'm not saying in any way that we earn salvation, that we earn a relationship with God through integrity or any other good work. The Bible could not be clearer. We've said this before that, that, that no good works earn anything from before God. Any standing before God. The only way we get salvation, the only way we get our sins forgiven, the only way we get to heaven is by trusting God's provision for our sin, Jesus Christ. That establishes, that begins the relationship between us and God because it removes the barrier of sin. My point is, for all of us who have come to know Christ, we've put our faith and trust in Him, we are saved, we are going to heaven, we want a relationship with God, Essential to a relationship is with God, a close and intimate relationship with Him, is being people of integrity. And that's why Proverbs here calls us to be people who live lives of integrity. Second reason our text here gives us for why integrity is important. First, it matters to God. It's essential if we're going to have an intimate relationship with Him. But secondly, verse 3 says, The integrity of the upright guides them. Second reason that integrity is important is it provides guidance in life, a solid foundation, a constant center. We, we live, by the way, in the midst of a very confused culture. They have thrown away their, their foundation for, for moral guidance. When they throw God away, they have lost their, their center, they have lost their foundation, and they're constantly trying to figure out what is it we are supposed to do or what is it we should not do. Integrity keeps us focused, keeps us centered. Some time ago I was in the parking lot loading my newly purchased groceries into the back of the car. And as I was pulling things out of the basket, I reached down to pick up a watermelon and it hits me. I went through the self-checkout lane and I do not remember scanning the watermelon. It's kind of hard to forget. It's big. And I'm going, oh, I pull out the receipt, I look through the receipt, sure enough, forgot the watermelon. Now you're in the parking lot. Everything's loaded. Of course, the last thing to put in is the watermelon. Everything's loaded but that, and there's all the frozen stuff, There's all, and it's stinking hot outside. What do you do? Close the trunk, go home. You're tempted to do that because if you go back inside, you stand in line at the customer service desk, what happens? All the stuff in the car melts. So you have to load all the stuff back in the basket, then go back in the store, and you then do I do this? Well, I have to admit, there was a split second of close the trunk, go home, but there really wasn't any serious thought of doing that. Not seriously, because integrity says you don't sell out your integrity for a watermelon or for anything. You go back in and you deal with it. 
That's integrity. It gives us a clear compass. A constant guide which gives us firm, secure direction in life. That's what Solomon is saying here. That's what Proverbs is saying. Integrity will guide you. Verse 3 continues. He says, But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. A third reason why integrity matters is that integrity will protect us. If we are lacking integrity, we will be destroyed by our own duplicity. Sooner or later, he says, our own mixed up moral compass, our own compromises, our own cheating and crookedness will catch up to us and it will destroy us. Proverbs 10.9 Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but who makes his way crooked will be found out. You know, every time I see one of these scandals going on, whether again it's in politics or business or whatever else, I think every time a scandal starts, how many hundreds of thousands of people go, because they realize they just got caught. When is it going? When's it going to happen to me? There's security for the person of integrity. No fear. Nothing to hide. But the crooked person lives in constant worry of being found out, and ultimately, wickedness has a price to pay. In chapter 11, you're there in chapter 11, just go down a few verses, verse 5, and we'll just keep going. Listen to what he says. The, the righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight. What happens to the wicked guy? The wicked falls by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them. The treacherous are taken captive by their lust. The wicked dies. His hope will perish. The expectation of the wealth perishes also. But the righteous is delivered from trouble. And the wicked walks into it instead. See, righteousness delivers, it protects. Integrity protects. A lack of integrity destroys. Integrity will protect us. There's a fourth reason here in the text why integrity matters. It matters to God. It will guide us. It will protect us. Look down in verses 10 and 11. It says, When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. I um, vivid in my memory years ago, after um, Saddam Hussein was was removed from power, you remember the people going and just tearing down the statues, pulling them down, destroying them, crushing them. People rejoiced. A wicked man has fallen. You remember that? That's his point here. When the wicked dies, everybody rejoices, and when the righteous person does well, the city rejoices. Because, and here it is, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. Integrity, our integrity, brings blessing to other people. 
Our community benefits, he says here. The city benefits. You could also say that our family benefits. When, when you and I live as people of integrity, our family who follows us benefits. They benefit because for one thing, they, they hopefully follow in the footsteps of parents who live with integrity and then they reap the blessings of living with integrity. Proverbs also says, chapter 20, verse 7 says, The righteous walks in his, his, in his integrity. Blessed are his children after him. It says, a good name in Proverbs is better than riches. What it is to inherit a name that has respect, where people regard that name with integrity, right? Isn't that a great heritage to pass on to the next generation? Why is integrity important? It matters to God. It will guide us. It will protect us. And it blesses our family and it blesses our community. So that raises perhaps a practical, some practical question for you and me. If integrity is essential to our relationship with Christ, to growing in, in intimacy with Him, if it's, if it's essential for living life wisely, how do, we, how do I increase my IQ, my integrity quotient? Let me just out of this text, come up with a few suggestions here for you and me. I came up with five. Maybe you can come up with some more. But one is out of that Hebrew word simple or complete, whole. I realize this. Small things matter. You see, it, it, that doesn't just imply that there are no big cracks, no big flaws, but no small ones either. Most things that I've had break don't start as big cracks, they start as small ones. Think about that little one in your windshield. Just a little nick last year. This year it started growing till it took the whole windshield. I had to get it replaced. So it is with integrity. Keeping integrity in the small things is just as important as keeping integrity in the big things. So don't be lazy. Don't, be, don't think the small things are insignificant. And don't sell out your integrity for the price of a soda or the difference between a child's ticket and adult's ticket or you know whatever the small thing is, it's not a small thing. Especially, by the way, when your kids are watching. Small things matter. Another thing I realized out of this is going back again to that concept of how integrity, what sets integrity apart from all the other virtues that it's paired with here in this section is that integrity includes them all. Integrity means being consistent. It is not a part-time pursuit. It's not something that we can do when it's convenient and then 
when it's inconvenient, we just set it aside. It is consistency of behavior that defines integrity, not occasional events. You know, it's the difference between the amateur golfer and the pro. Most any of us can go out on the golf course and once in a while we hit that shot. It's the only reason we ever keep playing the game. We hit that shot and we go, Tiger could not have done better than that. Anybody can do that once in a while. That's not integrity. (laughs) Integrity is doing it consistently. Requires persistence. It includes all of these attributes, these positive attributes we see here in in the chapter 10 and chapter 11, but it consistently applies all of them. Wow, that's a big thing, this integrity. What a goal, what an aim. We should expect then that it's not going to be easy. Actually, integrity is very easy until it's not. Integrity can be easy many times, but that's, it can also be very expensive. And integrity really doesn't show up until it's tough. The Lord despises a vile man, but He honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps His oath even when it hurts. Proverbs 14.4 says, that's when integrity shows up. Is when, is when we keep our word even when it hurts. We made a promise to do something and then we find out it's going to cost a whole lot more than we thought it would when we made the promise. Integrity keeps the promise. Right? And have you been there before? Who hasn't been there? <laughs> when we gave our word, we made a promise and we realized it's is a lot more than I thought. Integrity keeps our word. Integrity will sometimes cost us dearly because it even says that you can do the right thing and when you do the right thing, even when it costs you to do the right thing, you will find that sometimes some people hate you for doing the right thing. Matter of fact, Proverbs 29.10 says, Bloodthirsty men hate a man of integrity. There's that word. And they seek to kill the upright. Integrity can get you literally put on somebody's hit list. Integrity is not easy. But it is still valuable. It is still to be pursued. But it's not easy. A fourth perhaps here to help us apply this text is recognize that integrity is all about an audience of one. Integrity is not about recognition. Integrity is not about everybody throwing you a parade saying, you know, here is Bill, the most the person with the most integrity that we know. And, and we, go, we do it so we get accolades from people. So we get recognition from everybody and honor from everybody. Oh, aren't you a person of integrity? That's not what drives integrity. It's not recognition. 
And, and integrity is totally different than reputation. Reputation is what everybody thinks about you. And that's what most of us are concerned about most of the time, right? We're concerned about what people think of us, but that's not integrity. Integrity isn't motivated by what people think. Integrity is all about an audience of one. And the one isn't in the mirror. The audience of one is found in verse 1. The Lord abhors dishonest scales, but a just weight is His delight. I want to please God. And and I'm going to be a person of integrity, not because I'm worried about what anybody else thinks. I'm a person of integrity because I'm worried about what God thinks. Worried about pleasing Him. I'm concerned about that. See, until that is our aim, we will never be people of integrity because we'll be shifting with the wind trying to please people. Being a person of integrity is all about an audience of one. And that one is our Lord Jesus. Fifthly, one last thing. And it's, I've gotten to know many of you. I've known many of you for over 30 years. Some of you I've only known a year or two. But as your pastor, I've gotten to know most of you fairly well. And I can say something with pretty good confidence. None of you are, are perfectly people of integrity. If integrity, if integrity is perfection. May I say this? Integrity, and this is good news, by the way. Integrity is not perfection. How can I say that? Find me chapter and verse. Well, Proverbs here talks about people of integrity, does it not? And that God is intimate with the person of integrity. But if nobody's perfect, then he's intimate with an audience of zero. In other words, for people to have integrity, it must not involve perfection. That's good news. But then what are we to do with our imperfection? If if integrity, by its definition, is this whole, complete, simple, without the cracks, without the flaws, How do we reconcile those concepts? Well, we talked a lot this morning. I don't know if you've noticed this. We've talked a lot about verse 1. We've talked a lot about verse 3. We haven't really mentioned verse 2. Look at verse 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Here's the good news about integrity. None of us are perfect. The problem with the opposite of integrity, one of those words that were used to describe integrity, and we took it from verse 2, I put it in the list, was is humility. And one of the opposite traits, the contrast, is pride. What pride does when, when pride sins, when pride fails, what does pride do? Cover it up. 
down because what are we worried about? What people think. Reputation. Humility says before man and especially before God, God, look at this. Can you believe it? Again. Did it again. God, it's so wrong. I know that. Forgive me. Solomon's father did that. Read Psalm 51. Huge sin against you and you only I have sinned, O Lord. He confessed. What do we do when we mess up? Proverbs says it over in chapter 28 of Proverbs. Here it is. Whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain, here's the word, mercy. Mercy, what we do not deserve. What do we do when we mess up? We go to God and whoever else we need to. We confess our sin. We forsake it. Repent. That means go the other direction. This is the Old Testament version of 1 John 1.9. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How do you and I become people of integrity? Well, we do all of those things we've been talking about. And when you mess up, and eventually you will, we confess it, we forsake it, we repent from it. A person of integrity is not a perfect person. They are one who strives in every way to to be a person of integrity. And when they mess up, they confess it and forsake it. They're transparent. They're simple. Again, it's not a bunch of hidden stuff. It's this is who I am. I'm a sinner saved by the grace. Isn't that good news? Wisdom calls us to live a life of integrity. I trust that's what we will all aim to do. Father, thank You for this Word. It's hard because we look at this and we realize how far short we fall. There's a lot of work to do. It's going to require commitment on our part. It's going to require some effort on our part. It's going to require confession, forsaking things. It's also going to require Your help. Father, we thank You that Your Word says that for all of us who trust in Jesus, that Your Spirit has come to live in us and to help us and to enable us to put these things into practice. And we are so glad to hear that because we need help. So Lord, we ask this morning that You would... In Your grace, help us to live as people of integrity. There may be somebody here this morning who has yet to to begin a relationship with You. They can't grow in a relationship with You. They can't live a life of integrity with the help of Your Spirit because they haven't begun a relationship with You. I trust they've heard this morning that it's not about effort. It's about receiving a gift that You offer. Forgiveness of sins, 
through simply trusting in Jesus as their Savior. I trust that even now they will put their faith in Him. These things we ask this morning in the name of our Lord Jesus.